morning. Today I'll be reading out of uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. It's on page 1122 in the Pew Bibles, if you're interested. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also so be glorified with him. Lord, these words are so encouraging that we can be uh, heirs with you. Father, I just pray that you'd help us to uh, understand what that means in our lives. Help us to turn away from things we need to turn away from and turn to things we need to turn to. We just pray for our pastor that you'd put the words on his mouth to speak and us to hear. We thank you for this day, Lord. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. Good morning. Office can be dismissed. Uh, today we're going to continue in our series in the book of Proverbs, uh, considering this morning the family as wisdom. And before we do, uh, just raise your hands. How many of you have one of these? Okay. I didn't ask for Android users to raise your hand. I'm just kidding. Okay. I was talking about a smartphone, okay? Everyone but Phil and Doug probably did raise their hand. Well, there's a book that was written a few years ago uh, called 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You. Okay? Some of the reasons and suggestions it makes is distractions, a low attention span, a lack of real relationships, a desire for approval, you know, likes and comments on social media, even illiteracy. How many of you have struggled to actually read a physical book having looked at a screen all day long? Now, oftentimes our world seems so lonely, but we're connected to everybody. We're aware of everything that almost everybody does. Where they go on vacation, what they had for dinner. And we tend to fear missing out on their experience. We observe catered photos, right? We don't share the messy part of the house. We share the clean parts. And we wish that we had a different reality than we live in by experiencing somebody else's fake reality. We're created for a different sort of community that our phones provide for us. Can we all admit that? These devices that we have are not what God wants for us as we engage in proper biblical community. Where God has existed himself in perfect community for all eternity, one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. We're not God, and we were, but we were created to live in community with him. God didn't need us 
to achieve joy and love or blessing in his community. He's always had those things. But God calls us to live in relationship with him, to love him, to love others, which produces those things for us of joy and love and blessing. But without God's grace, we cannot. Reconciled to God through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus, our relationship with God is restored. It's also restored with one another. The gospel, the good news that God saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is what makes, as Dave read for us, our adoption as God's sons and daughters possible. And as adopted sons and daughters, that means we are brothers and sisters. Last week, God's covenant shadowed for us God's created order of marriage and the covenant of a man and a woman, how it points to the picture of Jesus' covenant with his church. And so today, families will be a shadow of God's perfect community cast upon and through our family relationships. The family is wisdom as well because personally and corporately, the family does bring joy, love, and blessing. And since God has no sin, and we do, a wise family also has discipline. So would you pray with me and we'll consider what the Proverbs has to say about a wise family. Father, we thank you for an opportunity to gather as a church family here this morning. God, we pray that you would speak to us as a loving father. You'd soften our hearts and encourage us Love us, lead us, guide us, that we might have joy and love and blessing from what your word would have to say to us. And if necessary, that you discipline us and cause us to live according to your word and what's best for us. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So why did I choose family? As we're continuing the Proverbs, you'll notice as we'll look at today that Proverbs is changing a little bit. The structure is becoming more proverbial. Uh, it becomes more diverse in the things that Proverbs says. But Proverbs emphasizes the family. Let me give you some examples. We finished chapter five last week. Five verse one, my son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding. If you look at six verse one, my son, if you've put up security for your neighbor, having given your pledge for a stranger, he's addressing a son. 620, my son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Or chapter seven, my son, keep your words and treasure up your, my commandments with you. Or 24 in verse chapter seven, and now, O sons, listen to me and be attentive to the words of my mouth. It sounds like any house, right? Son, do this. Son, do this. Son, do this. Or son, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. As we wrap up our series in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs structure changes. And so we'll look at some themes that the Proverbs brings to the surface. We'll consider the family today. We'll consider money next week. And we'll consider the nation uh, and work. And then finally, our witness before we start a new series in the book of Acts after Labor Day. Before we move into this, I want to acknowledge a couple things. Last week, we talked about marriage, and I understand that not every marriage is the same. 
Some have great marriages and some don't. And we can't ignore that. And the same goes for families. Some families are very unified. Others are very broken. Some of you like your parents. Some of you like your kids. Some of you haven't talked to family members in decades. And so it's wise to consider God's view of family, not our own personal experience. God's perfect community is our example, not our broken relationships that we often have here in this world. And a wise family brings joy, love, and blessing. It also brings discipline. And this all connects to the work of Jesus and the impact that it has on our lives today. And so we're going to look at what Proverbs says about families in light of those things. And so first, a wise family brings joy. Proverbs 10.1, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Or Proverbs 23.15, my son, if your heart is wise, my heart too will be glad. A wise son or daughter brings a father joy. When a parent loves a child, a child receives joy. And we all know, for better or for worse, that what that looks like and feels like, right? Dad, when there's irritable or absent, it's a lack of joy. Kids, disobedient or wayward, brings a lack of joy. But peace over arguing or laughing over tormenting are all much more pleasant experiences for us playing with each other, not teasing each other, helping each other rather than ignoring each other, brings joy for a home. Absence brings sorrow, where engagement brings joy. And perfectly led and executed, this is just basic wisdom. I think we all understand that's inherent in our families. Consider the new covenant implications of this, that God is a good father to us, made possible by Jesus, his son, the work that he accomplished on our behalf, his death in our place, his resurrection from the dead, his work guaranteed by the Holy Spirit's power, that our joy comes through that restored relationship that we have with God. And we tend to forget, right, that the Father delights in us as his children. The words that Jesus heard from heaven during his baptism, when the voice of the Father calls out, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Friends, if you are a Christian, if you believe the gospel, those words that God said of his Son are true for you. This is my beloved Son or daughter in whom I'm well pleased. And Paul experienced this joy by being adopted into God's family, as Dave read for us this morning. He had joy in following Jesus. Philippians 3.8 says of Paul that indeed I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things. That's a foolish son right there. And count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Paul realized that there is much gain in believing the gospel. When he experienced it, he wanted more of that good joy that comes from that relationship restored with God. 
He wanted more of Jesus and no longer a stranger to God. He gained this familial relationship back with God. And it brought him joy. And he wanted that joy for the church. He becomes a functional father of all these churches that he planted. As we said, we're going to go through the book of Acts in the fall. Uh, it'll be a while that we go through the book of Acts, but we'll see all these churches that Paul planted. And he becomes the functional father of these churches and how he addresses them. And he wants these churches to experience the joy of this reconciled relationship that they have with God. He says this in Philippians 2. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by becoming of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. He says, church is unified. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. A wise family produces joy. And as God becomes our father, our relationship is personally restored with him. And our true joy comes from following the scriptures, made possible by the work of Jesus, secured by the Holy Spirit, perfecting holiness within us. And so we get to be a family with each other. I love when I hear stories from many of you that says, oh, God did this in my life, or he provided this for me. We get to rejoice with each other and encourage one another. This week, someone had reached out to me, and she, this person needed some help. And before I was able to reach out to other people to see if help could be provided, this person reached back out to me and said, hey, I already got it covered by somebody else in the church. And they got to experience the joy together. The family is wisdom because it produces joy. At times, we will fail each other. We forget we're family. We'll disappoint each other. Like a biological family, we'll frustrate each other. We struggle in our own personal sin. We will sin against each other. Sometimes the family, biologically and corporately as a church, is not a joy. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't pursue it. We all want joy. Let's do that as a church family. Imperfect as we are because of what God has restored with us, with him, so that we can be joyful together, that we pursue this together. Proverbs 23, 22 to 25. Listen to your father who gave you life. And do not despise your mother when she is old. By truth and do not sell it by wisdom, instruction, and understanding. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. A wise family produces joy. A wise family also produces love. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all time, and a brother is born for adversity. Or 13.24, whoever spares the rod hates the son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. We love that one. Proverbs contrasts often foolishness and wisdom. And it's frequently shown as hate and love. 
Love comforts during adversity. A brother is born for that. That's family. We tell our kids when they are arguing or fighting, hey, you're going to be siblings forever. You've got to learn to cultivate love within a family. Moms and dads, they have it naturally for their children. When their kids get hurt, who do we run to, right? We don't run to dad because dad oftentimes will say, rub some dirt on it. You'll be fine. Stop whining. Mom, right? We all go to mom. My sister still goes to mom. Moms just have more compassion and gentleness than dads naturally do. Moms are there for adversity. Family is there for adversity. You kids in here, your parents will always be your parents. You will always be there to ask some of the older folks in this church who have kids that are older than me. They will always be their kids. And this family should be a source of love and it's wisdom to grow in that. But again, not every family is wise. Not every family is loving. Love is perfect in the Godhead, in the Trinity. But some families have abuse. Some families have anger. Some families have absent parents. And like joy could be lacking in family, so can love. And so we have to go to the source of love. And we have to go to the source of joy. We turn to God. God embodies perfectly what Proverbs 10, 12 says. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. At one point, we hated God, separated from Christ, from God's family. Romans 5, 6 to 8, Paul says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God shows his love for us while we were still sinners. We were his enemies. God loves his enemies. God loves strangers like you and like me. Jesus told his disciples in John 15, he says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. What does he follow up with? You are my friends. Even in our broken families, God's grace reminds us that things aren't perfect. There's a better way, but it's only through the blood and sacrifice of Jesus that reconciles us to God, where he adopts us into his family. A wise family is generated for love, and it also produces love. And this too affects us as a church family. We're now brothers and sisters in Christ. Ephesians 2.19, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but your fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Each Sunday morning, we get to have a family reunion so we can produce love in one another. Each Sunday afternoon, like today, we will go our own ways. We will go work on projects this afternoon before it rains again tomorrow. We'll go out about our weeks, our jobs, our pains, our sorrows, our joys, and then next Sunday, we'll have another family reunion. We have an opportunity, again, to love one another through encouragement and our own faithfulness. But it doesn't have to wait till Sunday. Invite folks to your house. Driving by their house, stop by. Maybe text them. 
before you come by. Let's not be scared of each other. When we seek to love another, one another, we would want to, why, sorry, why would we want to turn down opportunities to be the body of Christ? Why wait until Sunday when you can be with each other during the week? Another opportunity to receive love from one another, but also to extend love to one another, right? The door is always open to family and your homes. Why not the church family? A wise family produces joy and love. A third, the wise family produces blessing. Proverbs 13, 22. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. Without an inheritance of land back in biblical days, there's really no way to survive in that culture. Maybe in today's world, it'd be financial support, maybe to get through college or trade school. But a wise family loves and blesses children to help them get on their feet. But the opposite of blessing is cursing. Proverbs 19, 13 to 14. A foolish son is ruined to his father, and a wife's quarreling is a continual dripping of rain. House and wealth are inherited from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. Or 23, 13 to 15. Do not withhold discipline from your child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you shall save his soul from Sheol. Another term for hell. My son, if your heart is wise, my heart will be glad. Proverbs are not guarantees. They are tried and true principles that generally prove themselves true. Proverbs does not condone abuse, but a lack of wisdom hurts the entire family. It saps the entire family of blessing. Blessings preserves from ruin, preserves from death and hell or Sheol. Wisdom, on the other hand, blesses with life and with gladness. All parents want their children to succeed in life. Parents want to protect their kids from disaster, but eventually, we all know this, right? Kids will leave our house. And we hope and we trust that they will apply the wisdom that we give them so that they will make wise choices down the road on their own. Blessings can come by diligent hard work, through an inheritance, or just God's providential hand of grace. I used to be in sales, many of you know that, when I was in California, and I got a new manager early on in my days, and I asked him as we were driving around one day, I said, what do I need to succeed? Do I need to do really good proposals or to have these sort of good closing skills? And you know what his answer was? His answer was, just do the activity, and I will be there along the way to help you to do a good proposal or to help you to close a deal. He knew the wisdom was, don't worry about closing a deal or putting together a proposal because if you don't do the activity, you'll have neither opportunity for the other ones. That's what a family does, right? A manager knew the information that would help me to succeed. And so we as families, we give each other wisdom so that our children can know the right and wrong, to know which direction to go. Day by day, we trust faithfulness will produce fruitfulness. Effort in a safe environment within a family helps for correction. It helps for pain down the road to be minimized a little bit. Proverbs 9.8 says, Do not reprove a scoffer, he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. 
as part of God's family, these words from Ephesians are true of those who believe. Consider God's blessing to us from Ephesians 1, 3 to 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. Blessed by God with salvation, we can then bless others. And a wise family produces joy, love, and blessing. But because we're not perfect in our community, we don't exist in the perfect community of the Godhead like God does, we also need discipline. You might be thinking now, well, I kind of like the love and joy and blessing. Can we just skip the discipline part? A wise family produces much more than those four things, but these are four things that the book of Proverbs emphasizes over and over again. And so we must address discipline. Every parent disciplines to some degree or another. Either we do it well or we do it poorly, and we're probably all somewhere right in the middle of that. Proverbs 13, 24, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Or 19, 18, discipline your son for there is hope. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. It's not loving to tell your child or to not tell your child, don't run across the road. You're gonna get hit by a car. Parents would do anything. We see a kid running across the road to scream out or even trip him, right? A simple scrape of a knee is much more beneficial to the child than death, right? We all agree to that. Wisdom is discipline like that. It's not abuse. And discipline comes in many other forms, not just physical discipline. Maybe it's related to finance. Maybe you give your kid a bank account, but you stay on the bank account. And if they have an overdraft charge, you say, okay, I'll cover the $30, but you got to go mow the lawn now or something like that, where you learn discipline because there's going to be a day in their life when they have their own bank account and they need to learn how to manage their own finances. They're going to have to cover their own expenses. But consider changing the word discipline to consequence. You got our hint now, right? We tell our children, do you want a consequence, not some discipline? So now you know our family terminology. There's consequences to every action. Go to work late, the consequence might be you don't have a job tomorrow. Work hard, the consequence might be you get a promotion. Don't file your taxes on time, consequence, you might get a fine. Those are forms of discipline that correct bad behavior that build up good behavior and good habits. I'll give you an example of our country. Our country has trillions of dollars in debt because of consequences in the past and consequences in the future or in present. Many of our country, they don't know what marriage is. They don't know what sexual identity is. Consequences to the sexual revolution. 60 years ago, many graduate college today with six figures in debt and they have to move back to home as their consequence because they can't afford to live on their own. There's consequences to every action. Those are just a few examples. But a wise family 
is wise because it produces discipline. A small consequence or discipline inflicted is to preserve somebody from a much more significant consequence and to avert it. So a phone, for example, we talked about those early on. Phones could be great benefit to us, right? They can also produce lots of evil. Pornography is a bigger industry today than it ever has been because technology keeps it in front of people's eyes. But at the same time, Bible apps are much more prevalent in our world and we all have them on our phones. And so a phone can also produce good things as much as it can produce evil. Technology can remind you to read your Bible, to help you be disciplined or alert a parent if a teen driver is driving too fast on the interstate can do a lot of good things to protect us with discipline. So there's consequences to everything that we do. And discipline seeks to avoid greater heartache down the road. And most importantly, there's consequence to our sin against God who exists in that perfect community. Consider Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wages are what we earn, right? The consequences of our wage from sin, Paul says, is death. But the wages of grace in Christ is life. Discipline is a form of correction. Proverbs 27.5, better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Before we believe the gospel, we curse God, our Father. And the wages of that broken relationship is utter darkness in hell. And I personally hate being rebuked, but it's good for me. And I'm glad God ultimately put that consequence on his son that I deserve, that you deserve, by believing the gospel. Where Jesus takes our eternal punishment so that you and I who believe the gospel don't have to experience that eternal punishment ourselves. And so a wise family produces discipline. And discipline shows us our need for a savior. And Jesus becomes that savior when we believe the gospel, the good news that God saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And this changes everything. It changes how we relate to God, and it changes how we relate to each other as a church family. The consequence of our sin placed upon Jesus allows us to now become conduits of joy, love, and blessing to each other through discipline. Friends, we need each other. Proverbs 18.1 Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desires. He breaks out against all sound judgment. God's means of grace for us is the scriptures, prayers, sacraments of communion, which we'll celebrate shortly with baptism, and isolating ourselves from the family is dangerous. Friends, we are God's gracious means for protection through joy and love and blessing and discipline each time we have a family reunion here on Sundays. Proverbs 18:24. a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. We live in a world with many friends. 
I have a lot of friends on Facebook. Some are family, some are old church folks, some are colleagues or pastors that I've known, and I know each and every one of them. I deleted a bunch a long time ago, and I know them, but I know very few of them. So who knows you? Who are your closest friends? Who are your family members? Many of you, it's your biological family, and many of you, it's only the church. This church is your family, and I hate to break it to you, but you have more in common with this church than your biological family if your biological family is not Christians. Friends, we will sin against those who we are around the most. The more time we spend with each other, the more opportunities we will sin against each other. But we should seek to love one another in discipline. Because Proverbs 27, 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. And not only does God adopt us as sons and daughters, but we are co-heirs with Christ, as Paul said in Romans 8, 17. It's great wisdom of being part of God's family. Our biological families last only this lifetime. But as God's family, we will be that family forever. And here on this earth, it produces joy, love, blessing, and discipline. But we look forward to the day when it only produces joy, love, and blessing, when there is no sin, when we need no discipline. And Proverbs 27, 9 to 10 says, oil and perfume make the heart glad. The sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend, and do not go down to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who's far away. Or Proverbs 27, 17, we all know this one. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Sharpening iron is not done with gentleness. I've never done it, but I'm sure it's not neat and tidy. Hugs are great, but sometimes growth and sharpening do come through rebuke. We have to be open to both if we want to truly grow as a church and if we truly want to experience the relationship God has for us as a church family. And one of my least favorite things to do as a pastor is to follow up on absent members. But when we covenant with each other, we say to each other, would you pray with me when I'm in need? Would you correct me when I'm in error? Would you rebuke me when I'm on the wrong path? Would you rejoice with me when I have great joy and weep with me when I'm weeping? But also would you pursue me when I'm absent? Proverbs 15, 10, 11, there's severe discipline for him who forsakes the way. Whoever hates reproof will die. Sheol and Abaddon lie open for the Lord, but how much more the hearts of the children of man. Our discipline of one another is nothing compared to what will come if we don't repent and follow God's path. 
it may prove in the end that we are unbelievers. It's not loving to allow a kid to run into traffic. We don't just say to them, well, go live your truth or whatever makes you happy or who am I to judge you? It's not loving to permit a brother or sister from neglecting the gathering and secluding themselves to the dangerous temptations of the world, maybe even wandering away to never return, showing, as John wrote in his letter, that they were never of us. We're a family. We all know when biological families are fractured, it affects everybody. And we ask each other to pursue us because we are prone to wander. We're God's gift to each other to keep us on the path of wisdom. And a godly church family helps each other to move towards our greatest source of joy, love, and blessing which is the perfect joy, love, and blessing in the Godhead. And until heaven, it will come with discipline. Let me finish with this. Proverbs 24, 13 to 14. My son, eat honey for it is good. And the dripping of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. Know that wisdom is such to your soul. If you find it, there will be a future and your hope will not be cut off. Father, we thank you for your perfect example of community, the perfect model of joy, love, and blessing that you display and that you invite us into that as your children, made possible by the death of your son, secured by the Holy Spirit. And God, we do look forward to a day when we will be in perfect community with you and with each other that we are no longer living in a world inflicted with sin's presence, but we rejoice even today that we are delivered from sin's power and sin's penalty. And so God, would you help us to be conduits of love and joy and blessing towards one another. God, that you would help us to encourage one another to fight our good fights of faith together. God, we thank you and we praise you for this time. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.